Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 717. But in reality, a lot of the greatest things that people have achieved to everybody else around it, the first time that they heard it, they thought that person was kind of crazy. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Blake Fuller. Hey, Blake, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready to rock and roll, always. Always. Blake Fuller is the founder of GoPuck, where they design and produce portable power. GoPuck is the leader in wearable power, the ultimate personal power solution for your active lifestyle. Prior to GoPuck, Blake founded Braille Battery, creating a lightweight battery that became the go-to solution for racers. Braille would go on to be recognized as inventing the automotive lithium starting battery, and they developed the IndyCar spec battery. He sold the company in 2014 and began his quest to create a very small, lightweight, portable power source, and GoPuck was born. Back in 1999, Blake won the Rookie of the Year racing at Pike Peak Hill Climb, and in 2014, he won the SEMA Gen 3 Innovator Award. Very cool. Well, Blake, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career, your business, and of course, your passion for cars? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Mark. Actually, it's uh, you did a great intro there, so I thank you. I think I'll just <laughs> add a little context. I mean, the, the main thing is we'll kind of get into as we uh, go through some of your questions. Is really, you know, I, I just love uh, being involved in the automotive community, yeah. and there are so many parallels between you know racing as well as you know the race of life and and just the competition of business. Mm-hmm. So from a standpoint of you know, what I've done in the past, I think, you know, some of the questions that we may go through today may draw out a few of those, but uh, it's just a really exciting time for me personally, because in, in this last year, I had the ability to race and uh, campaign as well as build the first ever Tesla race car. Wow. And uh, doing that, it was very exciting this year. So we brought it back out for the 100th anniversary of Pikes Peak Hill Climb, uh, where we were able to not only win the class, but also be able to you know set a record by over a minute from the previous record. So oh my gosh. Uh, it's just an exciting time and looking forward into 2017, uh, setting a few more records in electric vehicle racing. And uh, we'll talk a bit more about that. But uh, it's a really fun time for battery innovation as well as just racing in general. Oh, absolutely. What's happening in the mo- automotive industry these days with battery technology and you guys are in the forefront of all this is absolutely spectacular. We're going to learn a lot more about this as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. Blake, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. All good there. So, you know, it's interesting because I think that a lot of times uh, those that are around me are always like, you know, you've always got these great one-liners that I'll always say. And so I can't really necessarily point to any of my quick little statements that I'll make sometimes. But there are a couple uh, thoughts that I've had that I I think are always instrumental for me. One of them that I really like uh, that is, you know, from Albert Einstein, where he says, you know, if an idea is not at first absurd, there, there really is no hope for it. And, and I've always liked that because when I first read that when I was young, I was like, hmm, that seems kind of silly. Why would you do something absurd? 
But in reality, a lot of the greatest things that people have achieved to everybody else around it, the first time that they heard it, they thought that person was kind of crazy. Yeah. And so I, I really, I really like that. Um, another one is that, and I know it's not quite so relevant because of you know some of the the recent news around it, but it really it came from uh, Lance Armstrong, and he had mentioned that in competitive cycling. Uh, the difference, and it may not have applied directly to him or others, but the difference between the person who wins the Tour de France or somebody who's just competing uh, in second or third place might be the difference of just about the weight of a fingernail being placed on your leg every single pedal stroke. And I think about that in life because sometimes it's not the big effort once, it's millions of little efforts just repetitive that make a big difference in what we achieve. So those those two kind of drive me as as it's it's always that one little bit of extra effort each hour, each day that really makes a, a compounded difference over the course of a career. Oh, I love both of those. And they really work well together too in some sense. But the yeah, when you think back to when you came up with the Braille battery idea, uh that you know, everybody, battery technology had just kind of been the same forever and ever and ever. And for you to go, why are they so heavy? Why can't we come up with something different here that lightweight, it'll help with the cars. And that's how that whole thing happened. And of course, now with all the technology we cart around on our bodies with us every day, having a power source, that's right there. So you don't have to stop. You see all these people at the airport all sitting on the floor, plugged into the wall somewhere, you know, and it's like, Yes. Oh, I mean, we're just changed to these things that we have around us. So I, I love both of those quotes. They make a lot of sense for the innovation that you've done in your businesses. Absolutely brilliant. Well, would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? When you go back in time, is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really realized that you indeed were a car guy? Uh, <laughs> I think of a couple from from when I was really young before I, you know, could legally drive. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, no, I think there's a couple that, you know, a lot of uh, guys and girls that, that listen in will, will share with, but I think Hot Wheels are always a, a great uh, instrumental tool in getting the creative mind going of one day being able to, to drive that little sports car or that little buggy that's a Hot Wheel. And, and my dad and I used to, you know, kind of sit up opposite each other on the floor and just try to slide them back and forth. And then, and then he, wouldn't necessarily let me crash them. So it was always like, okay, let's see who can get closer to each other like in a game of chicken without crashing. <laughs> without crashing, and, yeah. Yeah. And then he'd do all these great games where like we'd be out at dinner and, and he'd set up the salt and pepper shaker and I'd have to try to like drive through a series ah. of them by pushing it without hitting them. Yeah. And that and that scaled to where, you know, when I first had my first go-kart when I was really young, we would go out to some abandoned roads and and brought a bunch of cones with us, and, and he would continue to move the cones inward or make them more and more complicated. Right. Uh, to, I wasn't allowed to hit him, and if I you know hit him, then I basically had to sit in time out for five minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was a, uh, you know, for, for a young person, five minutes feels like forever, oh, especially yeah. when you're staring go-kart there you get to go back into so um but you know i really didn't start professionally racing until you know my late teens so um there was a lot of a lot of items throughout uh, my my younger life that i think kind of helped frame up the passion for automobiles but yeah. also to take a little bit different look at how i'd go about my racing career than some of the other paths that some have chosen before oh absolutely yeah i remember the hot wheels and having all that orange track all over the house my mom was like <laughs> when are you going to put this away i'm tripping over all this stuff we'd have cars flying down the hallway and through the kitchen and in the living room and uh yeah the hot wheels were always very cool 
Well, Blake, what I'd love for you to do is share with us some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. I would assume that in a career where you're being innovative and you're creating completely new technology, you've got to butt up against some real challenges. So take us to a really painful moment in time, walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your business and your career. Yeah, I think I think there's really two opposing stories. Um, one of them is actually when we, and, and when I say we, it was uh, from the Braille battery side. And one person I have to really thank for for this story too is a gentleman named Ray Ferreira, who's a, a really good friend of mine, who is a, another person that literally just won't give up. <laughs> and uh, and he and I and a large group of different individuals, but it was really um, you know Ray was a, a brainchild behind looking at this opportunity Nissan had given us to build the first hybrid race car that would be out of a production car. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there were without, you know, throughout the world in 2006 through 2009, there was a lot of uh, OEMs and or race teams that were looking at trying to build a hybrid power plant for uh, endurance racing or for sports car racing, but nobody had really built one out of a production car yet. So we were given the opportunity to build uh, the Nissan Altima hybrid into a race car. Uh, the challenge though, is that uh, as you've heard many times with SEMA show, um, the car didn't really get into our hands, you know, but a few weeks before the show. Oh gosh! And so, and so, it wasn't just the orchestration of getting the car built. It was the fact that we were also working with companies like Universal Technical Institute and also Knights High School that uh, had worked on being able to work the paint on the car. So we were working with a lot of students mm. to be able to provide education and provide experience while we were trying to hurriedly go through building this car and and get it going. And uh, you know another. Other day, I guess over a couple of drinks, I'll, I'll share the story about the uh, the truck driver that uh, that was going to transport the car. Oh, um, I look forward to that drink. That'll be yeah, an interesting yeah. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put this way: the it was a a Russian truck driver that showed up drunk. Uh, oh my you gosh! Bring in the car, so we'll leave it at that. Oh my but, gosh! Uh, <laughs> we we definitely uh, we all hurried to get that that car done and uh, it was something that I can't believe that it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, another side though on the uh, kind of on the failure side and, and I'm going to share something I don't know if I've ever really shared publicly but it's interesting that being the battery guy some of the only times I've ever not finished a race has actually been to a battery failure. Oh no, uh, okay. And, and interestingly enough, a couple of those times were actually batteries that were early stage development products that I was doing because mm-hmm. obviously you've got to believe in your own product right oh, yeah and, and typically I was one of my own guinea pigs and uh, in a couple of the uh, the big events you know one one year at Pikes Peak we had uh, a rock that cut the alternator belts and uh, I, you know I was always trying to trim weight so lesson learned there is try to balance the amount of weight you have in the car from the battery standpoint to at least maybe finish the race regardless <laughs> of an alternator yeah uh, same thing in 2007 I was uh, at that point in first place in the Nopi Drift Championship uh, which was a multi-round you know cross-country uh, championship that was on TV and I was first in first in the uh, in the championship going into the final round that was a, a double points round because they had canceled an early one and uh, interestingly enough it's like the way drag racing is it's in it's it's in stages or brackets so if, if you're out in the early round you, you'll finish 13th or 14th right mm-hmm. as opposed to you know um, 
advancing. So right. uh, what has happened there is that unfortunately the alternator on the vehicle failed and the battery that I had did last quite a while. I got through the, the first round, but unfortunately, even though we had qualified first or second that event, it, it didn't matter. We ended up second in the championship. So, you know, it's definitely a learn to be able to balance the engineering side and, and the quest for lightness. And it gave me good perspective as in the later years where I was working with a lot of the teams to be able to always give them a little bit of this firsthand experience of saying, you know, let's balance between what your current needs are, but also what could happen and then be able to understand that. So yeah, I think those were some of the challenges. One was obviously time-based and the other one is really about uh, always learning that uh, as you're developing things, sometimes things fail and you just keep going. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking us there to those painful moments in time, but that's how we learn our best lessons. Most of the time is just trying things, testing things, and when they don't work, learn from them so they don't happen again. But uh, some great stories you shared with me there today. Thank you. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights kind of light your way down a new path, a new roadway. And tell us the steps you took to turn that into a success. Yeah, you know, I think the uh, the aha moment most recently would be really what drove me to do GoPuck and to create the product, and that's that I looked at what was going on in the industry for the rise of GoPro, the rise of social media, and how much I was using my phone, you know, traveling kind of around the world to support Braille battery because you know we were our lithium batteries are in the V8 supercars, they are they're in the what at that time was the JGTC cars, we had. 90% of the American Le Mans cars. So, you know, I was all over the place. And it was interesting that when I was over in Le Mans in 2011, that I'm sitting there in, a, in the paddock of the Aston Martin racing team, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm actually finally getting to sit down and enjoy the fruits of labor, so to speak, where sure. I'm there with one of their head engineers who had been a former Formula One director. And we're talking about some of the great experiences he had in the 1980s of Formula One racing. And, and here comes in the beautiful Lola that's Aston Martin V12 powered and it would stop and and they, the pit would do you know pit crew would do all their work and then it fire back up and go and it was just a really great like feeling to go like wow that that lithium battery in there that they depend on is something that I had invented yeah. and built and so I'm sitting there to, to reach for my phone to kind of capture this moment it's 2 a.m. in the morning and my phone's dead. Oh. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there going like this is just ridiculous. Yes. I mean, <laughs> here I am and. And I can't even function without this. And I share that story actually with Patrick Long on the way back. And, uh, you know, he, he basically said, you're the idiot that makes all the batteries. Why don't you do something about it? <laughs> Sounds like something he would say. <laughs> yeah. So, so and, and there's many others that have given me a hard time that, you know, the, the battery guy's phone's dead, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the aha moment that it's like, you know what, let me do something about this. And, yeah. and following that, I literally just bought everything that was out there that I could get my hands on that was in that kind of power bank portable space Mm -hmm. and I started ripping them all apart and I looked at them and I was like wow these things wouldn't last a lap on a racetrack that let alone they'd probably catch on fire so I just (laughs) really felt about it and and looked at like you know what what can I do to maybe expand this industry and to tell you the truth it's really been a it's been a challenge to be able to take um, my quality expectations and to be able to continue driving that into what is a consumer electronic product category where the expectations are so much lower. 
Wow. Awesome story. And Patrick's been a guest here on the show. That's why I chuckled when you said that. He's such a great guy. <laughs> very <laughs> forthright, of course, and uh, direct in his op- his way of communicating. So uh, very cool. <laughs> it's, it's just wonderful what you're doing. Absolutely brilliant. And so many people have this need because, like I mentioned, you go to any airport or any venue and people are sitting there against the wall waiting for their phone to charge. It's so frustrating versus being mobile and having something you can just plug in and carry with you. So absolutely brilliant. Well, how about Prodigy's career moments? Is there one that really stands out for you that you could share? Well, you know, it's interesting too, and touching on what you just said about, you know, you go to the airport and see everybody plugged in. Apple today actually just released a a kind of a memorandum to everybody to put them on notice that a lot of hackers are breaking into the Apple devices and are able to access everything from payment information and otherwise. So they're strongly urging, and it came through on CNN, strongly urging everybody to not plug in in at public locations. So one of the things I'm working on with my, my team is to be able to work on a huge discount for Apple customers and through social media to be able to provide to them uh, a very affordable price to get our product because, you know, that, that's a huge security issue for everybody. And it's something I feel like we can do to give back. So um, that's that's something that we'll be working on. And hopefully that'll be successful. And maybe retroactively, that'll be my <laughs> proudest business moment. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it's always about serving other people. So um, one of the things I think that was a, a hair raising moment, but still, you know, you know, from a business standpoint, very exciting for me was really that first drop of the green flag for the 2012 IndyCar series where every single battery was was in those cars. And while, you know, we did, we have achieved to where we have every DTM car, we have, you know, the majority of what are the NASCAR Cup championships and, and we just have so much success that's there, but it really came like full circle in where we were part of the development of the battery for the new car for Delara. And that everything that we had done was really resting on the success of that because we had done so much testing, but it's such a public series, oh, yes. the IndyCar series. Yeah. And and when we are the required supplier, which is the first time we were required, it, it felt like a lot of pressure. And to, to go through uh, the, the event, uh, and I'll tell you, there was actually a scary moment there where TK had actually gone out of the race. And originally it was mentioned that it was because of a battery failure. Ooh. And so, I mean, here I am sweating bullets like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that was like the, oh boy. And so we ended up meeting with the engineers of his team. And it turned out that because the alternator settings were such that during the yellow flags, which they almost had a record number of yellow flags that race, uh-huh. uh, that, it, that it wasn't charging below 6,000 RPM. So oh. they were actually very impressed with the performance of the battery because we had overspecced it. And they said, no, the battery did great. But it just ultimately was something where should have kept it at uh, a little bit uh, higher RPM and keeping it charging. But uh, having that in every car and then after the first race ended and understanding that, you know, we had made that through. And then when the full series, you know, continues to utilize them, I think we're really proud of that relationship of the technology. Mm-hmm. And, and we're really thankful for IndyCar that they embraced switching from lead acid batteries to lithium in all their cars and continue to push the way forward for technology. So, you know, very thankful of that and very thankful of guys like Scott Atherton, who really allowed for my career to flourish because of saying yes to allowing technology into, at that time, what was the leader in green racing. Wow. Well, congratulations for all that. Fantastic. And I can't wait to hear about 
a possible relationship with Apple. I'm a big user of Apple products. I love my Mac and my iPad, my iPhone, and all that kind of thing. I can't wait till you have that uh, special arrangement and I can uh, be carrying one of your uh, power sources around with me when I travel as well. So very, very cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and go back in time. I would love for you to share your first really special car. Maybe it was your first special race car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. Yeah, I think ultimately uh, from a standpoint of a special car, Oh, it's so difficult to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for something that I did not necessarily build, but something that I was looking forward to acquiring. And uh, I think the first car that I ever put a deposit on that was a, a new vehicle. I was actually an Integra Type R. Oh, cool. And, and I always appreciated that vehicle because I felt like it was like the, you know, super underdog vehicle of uh, of you know automobile world and so i actually put a deposit on it waited for it many many months and, and i remember at that time you know i was building up braille but i also was working with my first company where we did bicycle assembly and i remember just you know being so excited about getting it that like literally i'd say 20 percent of my day i'd be thinking about okay this is what i wanted to do to it this is what <laughs> where i'm going to go with it these are these are the items so i think that the, the special memories are really about the anticipation of but mm-hmm. it delivered i mean it was a, it was a wonderful car brought it to Pi- Peak competed with it, finished second in high performance showroom stock class with the car. Nice. Um, we utilized it for one lap of America. I mean, we we did so many great things, and, and it was such a, a wonderful car because it weighed about twenty one hundred pounds when I was done. Wow! And it had, and it had about two hundred and twenty horsepower to the wheel. Uh, we had two varieties. One was we had a motor with a supercharger on it, a Jackson Racing supercharger, and some CompTech goodies that we used for Pikes Peak. And then I had actually acquired a, a June Auto motor, which is a Japanese engine builder. Uh, that motor revved to 9,500 RPM, and we utilized that for a lot of our road racing. So it was uh, it was a giant killer. It was an amazing car. Yeah, sounds like it. What about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you let go that kind of brings a tear to your eye that it's not back in your garage? <laughs> I think I think any uh, true car guy or gal would would uh, always say that if if given the choice and enough garage space, they would never sell any vehicle, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And, and given the budget, right? So you know, throughout an automotive career, sometimes you know vehicles get sold to acquire the next one or to to make the make the next steps, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the cars that I definitely have a seller's remorse on would be my rear wheel drive Integra. So I I had uh, built uh, with the help of a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Darren, and, and Darren and I had worked thousands of hours on this car to build what was going to be an all-wheel drive Integra for Pikes Peak. And we really looked at, you know, how could we make a, a vehicle for Honda or for Acura that would be even faster than the Type R I campaigned. So we looked at building an all-wheel drive Integra out of some of the real-time components that uh, were on their all-wheel drive chassis. And, and uh, in testing in the dirt, it turned out that that particular drivetrain configuration wasn't exactly what I'd call confidence-inspiring, right? <laughs> nice <laughs> way to the put way it. <laughs> yeah, the, the way that the way that it works is that it, it's it's basically a, a viscous type coupling that's in the drivetrain, okay. and so when it senses front wheel drive slip is when it sends power to the rear. Mm. But as the power is removed from acceleration, meaning like you lift off the throttle, it will open up the differential. So ultimately, what you have is a car that enters a corner, and will have front wheel drive, if the front starts slipping mid corner or an acceleration, it'll send power to the rear. But then as you would lift or correct, it would open the diff going back to front wheel drive. So it really was a handful. So what we did is we ended up converting it to rear wheel drive. And that's actually what got me into the world of drifting. Not that I wasn't you know, playing around and drifting like most guys do uh, in cars, but that's when I actually got involved 
competitively is because that car uh, helped us acquire some companies like Falcon and others that, that stepped up and helped us sponsor it. That car was sold to help fund some of the other racing that I was going to do next. So that was actually okay. bought by a Honda collector that lives somewhere up in the New England area. And I've been trying to reach back out to see if I can get my hands back on that car. That car was a lot of fun. It ended up weighing 2,150 pounds, had 320 horsepower. It had a 65% frontward weight bias. Wow. And it was and it was rear wheel drive. So think pickup truck, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. That's a, huh, what a hand, you talk about a handful. Yeah, definitely yeah. a handful. So <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I would love for you to share a little bit more with our uh, listeners here about GoPuck, the things that you offer, the things that you're coming up with in the future that you can talk about, but mostly you know, explain what GoPuck is all about so those folks out there have to go to your website and buy something. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have to buy anything. It's my job to make them want something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I mean, everybody, I think the, th the thing that's so exciting about GoPuck is that, you know, when I look at Braille battery and what we did is that with Braille, we established a technology that could benefit anyone. And it was an improvement that, that anybody could utilize. And especially for professionals, they, they needed the product, right? Right. But the, the challenge is that because it, is hand built, made in America, and the cost of the materials were so high that not everybody could afford it. What I love about it at, with GoPuck is that, like, if we're at the SEMA show, PRI show, or CES show, that you look around and everybody needs it, everybody can afford it, and it's really about just raising awareness of what we do differently. And what we really do differently is taking all of the years of experience of design that not only I have in doing all of the batteries for IndyCar to Formula One, but combining that with our CTO's experience. His name is Anil Periani, who also happens to be a car guy and used to be at Tesla. And he he's the patent holder for the Tesla supercharging system. And, and the great thing about our story is that we were in a conference call because at that time, Braille was engaging Tesla to do some batteries on the 12 old side and and it's kind of you know a phone call we're having it's a little bit stuffy you know with <laughs> with, with our our group and their engineering group and and i didn't really know anil at the time and and anil was you know their head of engineering and i said hey anil i, I just gotta ask you because you know we're just talking about specs and so i'm like what kind of car do you drive <laughs> and he's like, he's like i have he goes he goes i have an accurate integer type r i'm like no way ah. and i was like i was and so we started talking and he's like Wow, you were the guy that raced Pikes Peak. So long story short, he, he and I hit it off. And that's what really started GoPuck is that we wanted to bring faster charging technology, durability, and the first ever intelligent or versatile product that when you bring it with you, the GoPuck is able to do so many products or charge so many products that we own simply. You don't have to think about it. Mm. You know, more people, more people know black magic than understand batteries. <laughs> and, and they're kind of a scary, complicated thing. So what we wanted to do was make it very simple so it could benefit anybody. And so the GoPuck is literally a battery device that can fit in the palm of your hand or you can wear or you can mount it. And it's about the size of a hockey puck. Mm -hmm. And it stores enough energy to charge multiple devices multiple times. And does it faster than the wall outlet. And so that's what's really exciting is to be able to offer people the ability of mobile freedom. That's yeah. that's really what we're excited about. And the reason that I'm involved in electric vehicle racing and also still involved in consulting all sorts of different projects is because 
I want to make sure that what we deliver is the best thing you can get and, and offers the best value. Like it's got to earn right in your life. I mean, why would you carry something with you that doesn't work? It's like you don't walk around with an empty coffee cup, right? When you're done, <laughs> you throw it away. Yeah. And so for us, we want to make sure that there's always something in reserve. And that, and that to me is really important because like, I think luxury in life is about having power in reserve. Yes. And if you always have something a little bit more than you need from the energy side, then you're never anxious. You're not worried about what do I do next or do I have to find a wall outlet because you, you know that it's something you can rely on. And that's, that's what excites me is really about serving everybody because the whole market today, and this, this is a challenge in the car world, is that the whole market today is shifting to where a lot of the millennial generation, because of Uber, because of self-driving cars, they may not have the passion for actually driving vehicles the way we do, but they definitely have the passion and creativity, and they, they explore that through their mobile devices, which are really kind of the automotive freedom equivalent of today's youth, is yeah, the mobile yeah. device. And so I look at it and say, well, I'm a racer, and when I want to compete professionally, I look for race fuel, right? I look for something that will help my competitive advantage. And so we look at where we position GoPuck as really kind of being the race fuel for the device platform. And, nice. and there's a lot of software builders out there that are really like the engine builders and the tuners. Mm -hmm. They're the ones pushing the boundary, always wanting the processors to work faster or for us to capture more memories or do more work on our machines. So it really requires race fuel and that's really where we fit in and that's what's super exciting because it correlates with what I'm racing in the Tesla from what we learn in racing, we bring over into something that people benefit from. Ah, spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. I love all the relationships between the device and the way people are active today and how they're using these devices in the car and everything. So, ah, absolutely brilliant. And here's a wonderful, wonderful device. I'll encourage our listeners to go to gopuck.com or you can find a link on Blake's show notes page at the Cars Yeah website and check out what he's producing there. Just a wonderful, wonderful little device. So easy, so simple, uh, and so necessary in this day and age. Here's a very introspective question for you, Blake. If you were a car, what kind of car would Blake be and why? <laughs> so can I, can I answer a question with a question? Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. What's your question? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had a challenge with this one because I, uh, I love a lot of different cars. And it's, it's difficult to, to frame this up as to what, what I would be. And, yeah. I, and I guess I'd have to ask my friends and, and see what they would say. But, uh, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, what comes to mind when you think of, of a vehicle that is not over the top about lots of things, but does a lot of things very, very well. And, and you can always rely on, I guess yeah. for me, I, I looked yeah. at it and said, okay, there's a couple that stick out. I, I could possibly be like a, a Subaru STI. Mm -hmm. That's one possibility or an Evo, something like that. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Porsche Carrera four would fall into that world. But then there's, Sometimes I think of myself kind of like a, a Mini Cooper, like a classic Mini Cooper that might have a, uh, a dropped-in Honda K-Series motor in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> it, meaning that I, it, it's kind of risky and kind of not afraid to take risks. And uh -huh. it, sometimes it's a little bit too much too much going on for right. <laughs> for, for the chassis. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But, uh, yeah. But but um, but it goes like stink. So <laughs> I like that. I guess that's Part of it. Um, yeah, it's this is a tough one. It, it's always hard to describe what what my personality would be. I, right, um, right. So it's, be, it's best to describe by others. So maybe I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like where you were going there with that, and you were giving us some thought. And I'll tell you that question came up from a past guest who was an artist, and it's it brings out some really interesting answers. And I try to push people to not say no, not the car you want to be. It's how you perceive yourself as a vehicle. And I think you handled that well. You know, you're in the world of high technology, speed, racing. Uh, 
uh, quality parts, all those things. So, uh, yeah, I think you're kind of maybe you're a little bit of a hybrid type conglomeration <laughs> of cool stuff. So uh, I think that'll fit you really nicely, Blake. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Blake, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yow sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer an ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. Okay, Blake, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You know what this means? The white flag's out. It's time for you to put your foot into it, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think that one came from my dad. When we he used to help me rebuild motors for my race cars, he would say, basically, if you make it right the first time, you'll have the opportunity to finish first. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Brilliant thought. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success over the years? I think it's an obsessive attention to detail that sometimes might frustrate other people, but uh, not giving up on what I consider to be an ideal or a vision. Um, there's so many times that you'll have a, a thought or a perspective and, and tons of other people will try to dilute that or water it down and in the end uh, you know watered down or diluted items never taste good no. so so why not be pure about a, a taste or an opinion and then that way you know people will gravitate towards that and and they'll they'll know what to expect is there a resource out there that you'd like to share with our listeners that you found very valuable 
well, okay. So if we if we do a self serving one, I would definitely say it would be the Go Puck. I, it's, I it's, hope it's, you it's, say that. <laughs> it's, it's the thing every day that that literally will help empower or give you the ability to just continue doing what you want to do. But I think from a non self serving standpoint, I think that from uh, you know just those who are automotive enthusiasts, that it's very important that people today do not realize what amazing vehicles we get to drive. I mean, today's kind of mid-level luxury car can actually outperform, out-accelerate, and be more economical than vehicles that were you know, just 15, 20 years ago that were supercars. And so for people to really enjoy what they have, I think they need to get out to the track, uh, whether it be drag racing or, you know, even uh, as well, autocross, or most importantly, I think that, you know, companies like Chin Motorsports, which is a group that I've known for a long time and serve a lot of the East Coast for more track days than anybody else. They're a great group of people that that allow people to come out that do not have professional licenses, get instruction at that is decent instruction at a very reasonable cost and get to enjoy the vehicle that they drive. And then by that, they make drivers on, you know, those drivers end up being safer drivers on the road. Yes. And I think that that's really important because it's so silly. You know, there's sex education in school, but not driver's education. I think most people know how to procreate. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but most most individuals don't yet realize how great they can be at driving. And, and, it's, and it's everybody's safety. I mean, more teenagers die in a car than anything else. So oh, yeah. it's... It's it's really important that, that people get the education to enjoy what they have. Right. And you mentioned teenagers. There's so many great driving courses around the country for teenagers. It's so important. Both my kids went to driving school before they started driving. And they, they tell me to this day that those things, they the skills they learned there have saved them in many situations from getting into accidents from other people, mostly inattentive people out on the road these days. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, just people not paying attention. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Uh, let's see. Well, if, if it's going out for a drink, I think Alive would probably be Jay Leno. Would probably be Jay Leno because he 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 would keep me laughing. We'd have some good stories to share, and, yeah. and he's a he's a through and through car guy. Um, you know, that's my off the cuff answer. I think that for somebody who's no longer alive, I'd really like to talk to Henry Ford. Mm. And I think for that, I I, I love some of the. The, the ideologies back then of, you know, you can have any color you want as long as it's black, um, you know, looking at, but I'd really like to pick his brain about understanding what the automotive competition landscape was. And if there was a way to bring him forward in time and be able to see it, you know, kind of through the eyes of the competitive landscape today globally and how difficult it is for car makers like Tesla to, to, to actually arrive, survive and thrive Right. I think it's a completely different competitive environment than back in Henry Ford's day. So I think it'd be a really engaging conversation. Plus, he was such an amazing inventor beyond the the. I guess it, back then it would be four wheels, not five, because he didn't quite have a steering wheel in the original version. So <laughs> you know, outside of the four wheels, I, I think that that it'd be really great to hear some of his stories and insights. And he was an amazing business person as well. Ah, uh, yeah, wouldn't that be incredible? Now, about a book, is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, there is a book that I have begun to read. I haven't finished yet, but it's actually something that's not yet out. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so I got a little bit of a peek under the tent, so to speak, wow. uh, of what I think is a, a reinvention of the the automotive 
performance driving handbook or performance, you know, ways to take what somebody has as a potential and to try to improve it. And and that book is going to be, I believe that when it comes out, will be called Optimum Drive. And that's actually authored by a gentleman that I know, uh, Paul Gerard, who had been the former head of Skip Barber Racing School and for a while actually was my boss at a couple companies I worked for that I would go and do hot laps, performance driving, team driving clinics. And Paul's just an amazing individual as well as communicator and a great competitor. He and I actually competed against each other in the one lap of America. We were both vying for first place back and forth and really got to know him. And I'll tell you what, it's, I I think anybody who has that statement of, you know, those who can't do teach should just be smacked across the face because (laughs) he can not only do, but but he can also communicate and coach in a way that is a rare gift. And and he helps embody that within his book Mm -hmm. to be able to, to look at what somebody skill set is and to be able to extract it you know it's interesting there's like two class of drivers there's those out there that think they're the best driver in the world and there's nothing to learn those are the ones that basically probably are the worst drivers right they're the <laughs> the, 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 the armchair champions right and then, then you have the other side that is the, the quest for always improving and and i think that this book is is a great read because it's not a waste of time a lot of times you'll you read through something and you go yeah i kind of get that but the way that he describes so many items that are we sometimes take for granted or we develop bad habits around it really kind of breaks it down and it makes it something that is able to improve you so that's a a big recommendation you know the book it's gonna be titled optimum drive i think that comes out in about april okay so uh you know really looking forward to it being on the shelves and and i hope he's immensely successful with it because that will help improve the breed of everybody not only competing but also just driving on the road Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Blake has shared on his show notes page at carsyacom slash Blake Fuller. There's also a great place on the Carsia website called Guest Recommended Books under the Resources tab where this book, and it'll be available soon, and all the past 716 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. There's hundreds and hundreds of very cool books there by uh, Recommended by the amazing past guests I've had here on Cars, yeah. All right, Blake, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a real doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but money is no object, I'll buy you anything you'd like today. But you got to keep it. You can't order a Ferrari GTO and sell it and buy a bunch of toys. So this is going to be a keeper in a car you <laughs> a car you got to drive. That little trick is off the table. What would it be and why? <laughs> was that, I think you just gave me a verbal contract that you're going to buy me this car. This is great. Absolutely. I buy so many cars. I mean, I've bought 716 cars. So, yeah, I, I am duly broke at this point yeah. in time. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully I can get you to reach a little bit further into your piggy bank there. Okay. Um, so I, I guess I have to ask this question back. What, what, what would your guess be? What do you think that my my car would be if, if you're guessing from an outside looking oh, in? You know, that's just not a fair question to ask me. I've been asked this before and I fail miserably because, I mean, digging into somebody's mind that is complex as yours, uh, there's no hope. <laughs> there's really no hope because you're, you, you're kind of all over the place. You know, I, mean, I, I got a sense that you love classic. And that's why I say collector car because there's lots of new stuff that's high technology. But I, I'd love mm-hmm. to go back in time and do something kind of cool. But I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if I had to just throw something out there, I'd say a McLaren F1. Well, that's a really good guess, actually, and that and that uh, that was the car that would have been picked by me for quite a while, and okay. uh, for so many reasons. And I think that it does offer 
uh, that, you know, the single seat position and down to the gold plated toolkit. I think that those are all some beautiful <laughs> things and they definitely have gone up in value and, you know, who can hate the sound of the motor? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but very candidly, the, uh, the, the lust mobile for me is <laughs> definitely the, the Ferrari F40. Okay. I like, yeah. Okay. I could see you in that. And, and I think that that's the car that, and, and this is a true story that I have been offered to drive one multiple times and I've, actually never driven one. Oh no. And I, I pleasure delaying like crazy on it. And and the reason <laughs> being is that it's 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 like it's the unicorn out there. It's the one that I yeah. want to drive and other people know it so they'll say, hey I've got one. Do you want to drive? I'm like uh, no, not yet. And and what I love about the F forty is that it's a car that knows exactly what it is and it is just super exciting. It was it was super underrated as far as its horsepower rating. And yet despite its price and despite some of its fit and finish, it was one of the best selling cars for the longest time that Ferrari had ever built. Mm. And so it proves to me that if, if you if you build something really truly amazing that delivers that that the price almost doesn't matter. You you'll have you know you'll have people that will respect that. But even further the one one model variant that I would have since you're buying it for me <laughs> is the is the F40 LM. Ah, oh, okay. But I, would, but I would do one thing unique about it, and this seems kind of you know anti to myself, is I'd actually pull out the digital cluster and put back in an analog from the standard F40s. Okay. And and I think it just kind of keeps that that classic heritage to it. But the LM is is definitely the uh, the car that will hopefully one day be in my garage. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I can see that. You know, you, you think of the McLaren F1, my pick for you, which is pretty raw, but super high technology for its time. But the F40, way more raw. And yeah, I got to drive one once. I did not drive it anywhere near pushing any limits, of course, not being my car. And I have nowhere near this driving skill level that you have. It blew me away in so many facets from the moment you walk up to it, you lay your hands on that carbon fiber body and you crawl into the seat and buckle up. And so when you do take that opportunity to rip off around a racetrack, and I hope it's on a racetrack, (laughs) because I was on a street, so I couldn't really do anything. Oh my gosh, you're going to have a grin that will never end. I'm absolutely <laughs> sure. I don't think it will let you down in any way. F40. I like that, Blake. Very nice. Yeah. And it, and it, and it actually would have been the, the uh, 333 Ferrari, except for uh, getting plates onto that and trying to drive it on the road, you know, would uh, be kind of difficult. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is a good alternative for you. So yeah. <laughs> very nice. Well, Blake, you have taken us on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yacht listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that Ferrari F40 LM? Uh, you know, I, th- I think that the uh, the final thoughts are really back to, you know, understanding, you know, in the racing community, how much it parallels with, you know, being successful in, in business or life. And that is that one thing I always admire about all the teams that I've worked with is that, you know, from a spectator standpoint, you, you see that morning warm up before the race and you think, oh, they're going to warm their tires and, and they're and they're letting, you know, letting us see some uh, excitement. But the reality is, is that, that the teams never stop optimizing mm-hmm. and they also never stop analyzing their competitors. So that morning warm up that you see from the, you know, the spectator row looks exciting and they're out there, but the entire time it's really about trying to make those final settings, those final decisions and continuing it all the way up 
into the green flag, but all the way through the actual race. And I, and I, I really appreciate the hard work of everybody in the automotive community that I, I look at that says, you know, we're really going to do our best to win. And I think that that's something that I have always been inspired by personally has been the competitive environment of motorsports. And it's something that uh, I bring into the business community and I hope reflects in the things that uh, my group gets to make for everybody else. Very nicely said. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Go Puck? Well, I, I you know, gopuck.com is a is a great stop to be able to learn more about our products and what we're doing. And then, you know, through great interviews like this and, and continue doing some some research, I think that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a TED Talk that I've been able to do that yeah. helped share a bit of my uh, my journey. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really about just doing the research, going out there. And, and I hope that, you know, for those that want to learn more about what we're making, that they do research what we're doing, what makes us different, and, and making sure that uh, we're always serving them the best. Way. Brilliant. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Blake has shared at the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com slash Blake Fuller, or just type Blake in the search bar and his page will pop right up. I would encourage you to check out what GoPuck is up to because um, we all carry these devices. We all need power on the go. And that's exactly what GoPuck is creating for all of us in these active lives that we have these days. Blake, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!